0: Welcome to the Woe Podcast about horses and horsemanship. I'm John Hare and you've found the place where we talk about all things horses. If you listened to last week's show, you heard me talking with working cowboy and farrier Lane Sells. Lane and I first met when he was an assistant with my farrier, Sean McRoberts. I went back and found an old episode of the Woe Podcast. Eight years ago, I carried around a portable recorder with me while Sean and Lane worked on our horses as part of a regular trimming, shoeing episode. I thought it might be fun to replay the episode to not only show how Lane has grown over the years, but how the podcast has changed too. If you're interested in sound quality, yeah, you're not going to find it here. I had very cheap and inexpensive equipment I knew very little about recording, still don't. And I had this notion that the ambient sound added to the podcast experience. So you'll hear the nippers being clipped, the rasp going over the horse's hooves, and there's a scrub jay that just invades almost every scene and you'll hear him squawking back and forth. I really thought this made the podcast. One other thing I used to do way back then was to start every podcast with a drop. It was a motivational quote or a funny quote from a movie, and I just thought it was the best thing to grab the attention of the listener. I don't do that anymore. A listener sent me an email saying, Why do you do that every episode? You're not that funny. I would spend hours looking for these little drops, gathering them up, recording them, putting them together, trying to edit them, trying to figure out which one would work best for which episode. And when he wrote me and told me to stop doing that, it really kind of hurt my feelings. But back then we only had about 100 or 200 listeners on a regular basis. I needed everyone. So I kind of squelched my creative urge, put those aside, and just started doing the show from the the get-go. I know it might sound like I'm bitter, but I'm not. It only took me about a year and a half to get over it. Anyway, the other thing you can tell from the podcast is that I didn't know anything about horses. But you can tell how much I enjoyed talking about horses, horsemanship, rodeo, team roping, anything to do with the cowboy world. I really love talking about it. So sit back and enjoy this eight-year-old episode Of the Woe podcast featuring Sean McRoberts and Lane Seltz. Don't ever forget that a small group of thoughtful people can change the world. It's the only thing that ever has. Rehearsal's over. You're going out there now. You're going to do this thing. How you live matters. You're going to fall down, but the world doesn't care how many times you fall down as long as it's one fewer than the number of times you get back up. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Duh Podcast, the podcast about horses and horsemanship. My name's John Hare, and on today's show, we have another farrier session with our farrier, Sean McRoberts. Sean is an ex-professional uh, bull rider, and he comes out to our house every eight weeks or so and trims up Dusty and Jesse. They're both, we keep them both barefoot. Sean also does the, our neighbor's three horses, which are kept behind our property. I think two of those are barefoot and one of them has shoes on. Uh, Sean has a lot of great stories that he tells, and he also uh it's just fun to ask him questions about the horse's feet as as the day goes on, and quite frankly, I just like watching Sean work. On his last visit, he brought a, a high school student who's apprenticing under under him, uh, a young man by the name of Lane Seltz. Lane is also a bull rider. He's in high school. He's a, I think he's a junior at high at Liberty High. You'll hear him in the background as well as uh, Sean, and you'll. Uh, see what he has to do and the instructions Sean gives him and the things he has to do to, to uh, as an apprentice at Farrier. We start about 7.30 in the morning and in this first little segment, oh, by the way, I have a, I had a cold this day and you might hear me sniffle or sneeze a couple of times. Sorry sorry about that. My voice was a, was a little bit weak. The first segment we have, uh, Lane is trimming Jesse up and... Uh, using his rasp and nippers and Sean is going to work on Dusty so they're working both horses at the same time. So here's the first segment.
1: Just clean that up right up there a little bit and then all here that's about that's that's where you and want it. And right. then rasp the edges again and that's about all we can do. Okay, roll it or just rasp it? Just rasp, don't do it with your nippers just clean the sole up right there in the front and yeah. then rasp it real good.
0: She lost, is that a bad thing when they slough that sole off like that?
1: No, it's just that, if they were out in the wild Calvin, they would do that all the time. That's just their natural way of doing it. Yeah, yeah, take that, take the heel right there. But it's like a lot of times with your horse, there's not much we can do.
0: (laughs) And then it seemed like this last time, she's just dropped a lot of sole. I mean, she just. And see, and I don't know if it's different times of year or, or what, what makes it do
1: it more. I know in the wild, when the, like when they're traveling over rocks and all that, it makes it happen. And the problem is nowadays, all these horses and pins they don't travel enough that they don't, it don't happen. But you guys ride more than the average person.
0: I don't know if you have been with what happened with your dad, but I know. But I didn't rasp her very much. I mean, she just... Uh, it looks good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's, <laughs> ideally, every horse is barefoot.
1: If you can keep them looking like she does, there's no reason to ever put shoes on that horse. Yeah. And, uh, does she ever get sore?
0: A couple times through some rocks, that one-inch gravel. Well,
1: that's to be expected. Yeah. They probably do that with shoes on. You know, would they? <laughs> yeah, sometimes. You know, if they're if they putting pressure on the sole, they do. You know, they take an off step. Yeah.
0: The biggest thing she seems to do is stumble when her toes get long. Right. But, you know, some people say that's being lazy, so I've been trying to get after her sometimes, sometimes that
1: is. If they're really long, but I don't think hers ever get long enough to really...
0: <laughs>
1: you know. I think what it is more than anything, they get complacent like everybody else, and they're just kind of mosing along and just not really paying attention. With her, She's
0: watching other stuff out there and not paying attention.
1: One way to find out is start working her and see if she stumbles. You know, if you're just mosing along and she stumbles, I had one of the horses that was the best horse I had in the mountains. On, a, if you're riding down a flat trail, you think there's no way I'd ride this horse in the mountains because he'd stumble. Five times just going down the flat trail. But you get him in the steep stuff, and he pays attention. He just would be all... His mind would be off somewhere else, I think. And would not pay attention at all where he's at. See, and this horse is just the opposite. I always got to try to whittle the sole away on this horse. And it's so flat-footed, it's hard to do. Your horse has got the more ideal feet.
0: But he's got huge feet compared to her.
1: Yeah, but see, his is flat.
0: Because they're, they're they're bigger because they splayed out. Is yeah.
1: That... I mean, big feet are good, but you want more concave here, and that's why this horse gets sore more. It's got more of the sole that is actually down on the ground, I think. But then there's certain times when you shoe them that you gotta put like equitane or something on the sole to to get them off the hoof wall to let the hoof wall grow. But this horse couldn't couldn't handle
0: that. In this uh, next segment, we're talking to Sean about Lane's experience as coming up as a, as a bull rider. And also, uh, uh, Sean is doing some team roping right now, and I talked to him about his experience and, and how his horses are performing.
1: But yeah, Lane, he, I started to say he's riding bulls now. And he went, at school, they wouldn't let him go because of liability when he broke his jaw. And now his jaw's not broke, but his teacher said he was doing better. Not being at school. And they bring him, like today he's got to meet the teacher. They come to the house at four. And twice a week he's got to have his homework done. And
0: He does better than that, doing that than going to school. Yeah. He's a senior?
1: Yeah. He went to his first pro rodeo a couple weeks ago. And one third of his first pro rodeo. Really? Yeah. So he's doing pretty good. It's funny, he goes to his the the first pro rodeo one weekend, the next weekend he goes to high school rodeo. <laughs> <laughs> And then this weekend he's got a high school rodeo in and, and, um, Paso Robles.
0: How's your roping been?
1: Actually good. The last two weeks they started roping in Shafter again. And I went yesterday. They had two ropings. The first roping, I didn't do any good. But the second roping, I won first and second. The week before I went and the first roping. The first roping pays more than the second roping. I won second and third the week before in that roping. And. and then the week before that, I went to Chowchilla for a World Series qualifier. And I didn't get qualified, but I still won thirteen hundred. Good golly! And so that was a good weekend, and, and that was my birthday too. And so I thought, well, heck of a pretty good birthday present to myself. <laughs> and part of why I've been doing real good lately is my good horse is back to working good again. He he got hurt, and I gave him the whole summer off and rode my young horse. And I thought how great my young horse was doing until I got back on my good horse. And I mean, the young horse is doing good, but he's still not. As good as I, I kept saying, "Oh, he's better, he's better." Well, he's not.
0: <laughs> do they slow down during the winter time?
1: The ropings or the horses?
0: The ropings.
1: Not really. Not around here. Actually, there's some of them that put on more in the winter than the summer because it gets too hot. They do a lot of Saturday deals, be, and a lot of it's because, like during the during the winter time. I mean, during the summertime, it's too hot to go to a to go rope all day Saturday. Right. But during the winter time, it's perfect. Lane, he's gonna go over the. They got a bucking bull sale and the sale is for, it's good for like permit holders, guys that are just getting in the PRCA. It's a jackpot for them, but then they sell the bulls after your item and the bucking horses. And so he's gonna go to the NFR and compete in that.
0: And what did he have to do to get his card to?
1: Well, you buy a permit to start with and he's got a, He's still got his permit. That first, the first rodeo he won, you have to win a thousand dollars to get your card. You buy a permit and you go to smaller ones and until you win a thousand dollars, then you can buy your full blown card. And the very first rodeo out, he won 750. So <laughs> there's some guys, it take, takes them a full year to win their, get their card won and all that. And I tell him, I said, heck, you'll have years done in no time at all. Except for the only bad thing is right now, there's not much going on in the rodeos so anyhow.
0: Have you been helping Lane with his bull yeah, riding? Yeah,
1: I've been helping. In fact, he was just calling this morning. There's a guy that went to the national finals that, and Tileri's got some bucking bulls, and he's wanting, trying to figure out if there's a day after work that, one day this week I could go and he could practice, and be, between me and that other guy helping him, it's kind of, it's pretty good help for him.
0: When he goes out and practices, how many bulls will he ride? Two or three. It's hard to get on more than that. Yeah. So what do you do? Do you how is it is it set up and these bulls are going to be pretty this one turns to the ride first and no it's it'd be ideally if you could how do you how do you coach them to ride something like a bull
1: well there's certain basic moves and everything and you get what you call stationary barrel and it, it would look kind of funny because it's up off the ground and somebody that didn't know what you were doing would laugh at you. Oh
0: well, is case. that the one with the pole on the back and you just keep bouncing them around? Yeah. He's, uh, he's riding the barrel, right? Yeah.
1: Yeah, you <coughs> get on those basically it's more of a state it's one that don't move. And you go through all the moves like they're bucking and you practice your moves. And then what makes bull riding hard to learn is it's unless you got your own bulls, it's hard to pick a bull that's gonna do exactly what you want. And even at that it's hard to find them that'll do exactly what you want. And like this Ted's got some young bulls that they, he raised bucking bulls. And the guys that own them, they're all pretty young bulls that are trying to, they're trying to make them, see if they're going to be any good. And then you got guys like him that's trying to go practice. Right. And so it's kind of hard to...
0: Can a rider mess up a bull that's, be, that's being trained to be a good bull rider? If I mean, he like did, to... he's,
1: the bull wasn't going to be very good anyhow. Okay. And see, what you want is the ones that aren't going to be re- probably good enough to really make it big time. But just that the buck that are almost as good there. Right. Those right. are the ones. Because, see, like, all these kids around here that I've got lane finally thinking different, they kept thinking the only way they're going to get good is going and getting on the, the super ranked bulls. Like, I tell them, no, it's not that way. You got to get on something you can ride and learn the moves.
0: That's right, yeah.
1: Because if you're always on something that's above your head, how are you going to ever learn?
0: I do work with my horses so that they'll stand good for the farrier. Jesse just has one problem with this back left foot. Just kind of gets tired of holding it up and starts moving around and gets impatient with everybody. And I try to work with her during the week and the week prior and also just as part of our regular groundwork to get her so she'll stand still. And sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. She started acting up this time. So since there was two of them working and... They were going a little bit quicker than normal. I took a few minutes out of Lane's time and just worked Jessie in hopes that she would stand still, and she did a little bit better after this. So here you can hear this exchange.
1: Lane, you'll find that he's one of the few customers I got that if he cracks his horse and he works on his horse. Uh. So when he wants to crack it, just stand back and let him do it until when you're ready,
0: to go back. And in the final segment, we just kind of uh, shoot the breeze we talk about a lot of different topics about team sorting and training your horse and then also uh, we talk about some of the feet and how the feet look and I don't know we'll see if it works or not hope you guys enjoy it and they're starting to do uh, sorting again and we have so now we have time to do that oh, okay we're just going well, do you want to go back and do that I said well you're know, so I'm kind of like working on my horsemanship more than, than doing the... I mean, it's fun doing the cattle work, but...
1: Well, to me, what you work on your horsemanship, then you got to go test yourself see how good you really exactly, are.
0: Exactly, yeah. But you
1: don't have to do it every weekend, but you got to, you know... Every once in a while, if you don't go test yourself, you don't really see where you're at. Does that make sense? Yeah. At least that's how I've always been. But then on the same sense, if you're not doing it good at home, or, you know, in the practice, well, then why go compete? The trainer I rode with, he his big deal was... You never go compete until you're until you're ready to win. By the end of this next summer, he'll be a good shooter. Man, you do gotta take a lot off of this horse. Well it's I barely took anything off one time. This horse has got a lot of sole, it's real flat-footed. Oh you wanna make it where all the pressure's not on the sole or whatever? Yeah, that's what I'm trying to do. And it's hard to do with this horse because it is so flat footed. I never understood that until you told me. Well, why would you understand this if nobody told you?
0: <laughs> how many different types of feet do you run into? A bunch.
1: Almost every one of them is different to some sort. Oh yeah. The basic idea is the same, but you got to go about it different with every horse.
0: You know, and it sounds like a stupid question. How many different feet are there? But if you look at horseshoes, you know they're all the same shape. You know, yeah. there's not, not that much difference between...
1: Yeah, but look how many anvils we haul. I mean, everybody call, hauls a handle around, and very rarely do you just put a shoe on a foot. Does that make sense? Yeah. And You're always banging on. you always You always got to change the shape. And what we do, and a lot of times we do it, where you try to shape both fronts the same, and you put them on, and even though they don't fit the foot right, you try to make it work because the foot grows to the shoe, and so basically what you're doing is you're trying to train, train the one foot to be like the other foot.
0: And then if you had ten farriers out here, how different would each one of the farriers do the, the feet? Would you have like eight of them pretty close? And Probably so. You'd,
1: you'd be... And it's hard to say which eight would be the closest, you know what I mean? It's Certain people do things a certain way. Like Chris, the guy from Oregon that come, uh-huh. I worked with him a bunch... Ours looks fairly similar, but he stands horses up way more than I do, and a lot of it depends on where you learn to do it, because like with this, like with the way I roll it from underneath, he never was taught that way, and he was taught a different way, when I went with him at first, he made me do it the other way, but then when I went on my own for a while, and then we worked together, and he watched me do it, and he stood there and watched me do two or three horses, then he realized, you know what, that's faster, and that does a better job. That's like I've been reading one of my articles in my fair magazines i'm not all the way done with it yet because i read it slow and i read it a few times like it's saying you don't want to do anything to to lessen the quality of the job he's a little high on the outside or the inside is why when you look down that it's high right here and that's putting all the pressure on the inside and pushing everything out on the outside pushing it to the inside can you see that from out there john i can see these two are high see how that one's higher than this one uh-huh it's all wanting to what it does, you put more pressure here, and this one, this side wants to roll over, and that one wants to flare out. So what you do in turn, get, you gotta get them even. But the basics of shoeing is the same. Uh huh. But everybody goes about it different, and we might, there might be eight shewers all do it completely different. But when you get done, the, the end result is not going to be a whole lot different.
0: What's the the clinic that you're going to go to?
1: Well, every time we go there, they got these Hall of Fame shoeers that come here to do these talks. Uh-huh. And like last one I went to was a guy from South Wales that over there you have to do a four-year apprenticeship and pass a test before they'll even allow you to do your own horses. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. And this guy started with... You seen him on TV the other day? He was He was like 14 when he started, wasn't he? Something like that. He, I mean, he's he's amazing to watch. He it's, can take bar stock and hand make a shoe with heating it up twice in the porch. I mean, he'll heat it up once and I mean, he gets this rhythm going and it's like he'll be talking and not even be beating on the metal but he'll still be and, and he could in forty minutes, he could hand make the shoe and completely shoe a horse all the way around. So don't even take
0: anything off. Right just a, just a real thin deal. What's harder, <laughs> riding a bull or wrestling that front leg? <laughs> oh, man,
1: it hurts for a moment when you ride bulls. It hurts all day. The <laughs> first month I did this, I couldn't walk straight. Still can't. Yeah, I didn't have any idea how hard it was.
0: Well,
1: I we'll see. The first summer he rode with me. He'd catch horses and he'd clean feet out and he just kind of rode along, just kinda of, more more than anything, just give him something to do. And then as it got along, I got where I'd have him pull shoes and then I'd have him do a little bit of this and a little bit of that.
0: That'll do it for this episode. I hope you enjoyed going back in time and listening to an episode from eight years ago with my farrier Sean McRoberts and Lane Seltz. As you know, still not doing the podcast on a regular basis. This was kind of a throwback Tuesday episode. I, I thought it would be nice to listen to. The best way to know when I'm releasing an episode is by subscribing on whatever service you find our podcast. Remember, they're all free. Woe Podcast is a place you can find every episode. There are well over 200 in the library now. Some probably not as good as the one you just listened to. You can also find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, and Spotify, or anywhere else you find podcasts. If you have an idea for a show or you want to share something about your horse, I'd love to hear it. My email is john at whoapodcast.com, or better yet, simply connect with me on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram under the name woe podcast post a few photos of how you have fun with your horse thanks again for listening and sharing this podcast i really do appreciate all the support you give the show please stay safe and healthy until next time for renee this is john Harris saying go have some fun with your horses bye-bye everybody